Good morning. Thank you for being here. We're so grateful for the opportunity to be together today. It's a beautiful day, and we are extremely grateful that you're here today. If you're visiting, as always, we invite you to come back. Thank you for coming our way, for honoring us with your presence. I know that school year is coming to a close. Folks are going to be coming and going for the next couple of months, and so we pray that God will bless you in your travels, and hopefully and prayerfully enjoy the summertime. Uh, don't forget God, but keep Him at the apex of your life. In our lesson today, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and chapter 5. We're going to be noting some verses from both of those chapters. And the theme of our study today, walking by faith in the Lord. Last week we talked about the hope that we have, the confidence that we have in Christ Jesus. And so I want to maybe in one sense of the word, piggyback on that lesson a little bit and talk a little bit more about the confidence that we ought to have as God's people. And so in our lesson today, we're going to be looking at these two chapters. And again, we're going to be discussing the theme, walking by faith in the Lord. Faith is absolutely essential in the life of a Christian. The Bible tells us without faith it is impossible to be well-pleasing to Him. Faith is what guides us throughout life, isn't it? And the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so faith guides us and also guards us. And so today in our study I want to think for a moment or two about how important it is for us to have a firm foundation when it comes to our faith in the Lord. So I want to begin by first of all talking about the aggravations that Paul experienced in life. We might use another synonym, the agonies that he faced in life. Paul was no stranger to trial, to trouble, to tribulation, to even temptation. And so when you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and other passages of Scripture, the Bible documents for us the difficulties that he experienced in life. Back in verse 8, Paul would say, We are, we are pressed, hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. And then a little bit later in this same chapter, Paul would say, for our light affliction. Now, if you're familiar with the writings of the Apostle Paul, and Paul penned some 13 different epistles, you know that Paul's life was one of trial, constant trial, wasn't it? You remember when he wrote the second letter to the church at Corinth? He talked about how he had received 195 stripes, on his back. He said three times he had been beaten with rods. Once he had been stoned. And then he talks about all the various perils that he faced in life. Perils of waters and perils of the sea and perils of his countrymen in perils of the Gentile in perils of the robbers and so on. So the idea is that Paul was quite familiar with trouble and trial. What we have to take from this is that as children of God, we know that we do not live in a perfect world, do we? The world in which we live is subjected to pain and suffering 
even death. And Paul talks about that here. He talks about how the outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. And so that's what life's all about. Job, as you well know, said in chapter 14, verse 1, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. So that's somewhat of a synopsis of life. But then, as I look at the life of Paul, and as I consider his difficulties, one thing really stands out to me is the fact that Paul was a man of great determination, wasn't he? Now we talk about the depth of his trials, but then the determination, the grit that he demonstrated time and again. Look again at verse 8. Paul said, we're hard pressed on every side. In other words, we're hemmed up, as it were, on every side. But he said, we aren't crushed. He said, we are perplexed. You ever been perplexed in life? Scratch your head and wonder, you know, how, how's this thing going to play out? What does the future hold for me? What lies ahead? Well, Paul said, we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. Persecuted time and again. Read the book of Acts. Travel with Paul as he labored among various congregations and went from city to city preaching and teaching the gospel. Time and again, Paul faced persecution. Matter of fact, in Acts chapter 15, following that meeting in Jerusalem, you remember those who were in Jerusalem sent a letter back to those in Antioch regarding the Judaizing teachers who were trying to bind circumcision on Gentiles. And they said concerning Paul and Barnabas that these men had literally risked their lives for the cause of Christ. So Paul was one who was willing to put it all on the line, wasn't he? That was Paul. And so as you contemplate what the apostle is saying here, and the fact that he was quite familiar with agony and trial and difficulty, just as we are in this life. But then, there's a second thing I want you to think about in our study. It has to do with his attitude in life. How many times have you heard it said, attitude is everything? You know, how we look at life and how we shape the things that we see in life have a lot to do with our mental well-being. I believe that the Apostle Paul was an optimist, don't you? I don't think that Paul was a pessimist. Matter of fact, I think that if Paul were to have been here today, no matter what was going on, he would have been positive, optimistic, looking forward to the future. Well, what was it that made Paul such a remarkable person, particularly as you think about the attitude that he demonstrated day in and day out? Well, number one, I believe the Apostle Paul, when you look at his life, number one, Paul had the innate ability to distinguish between that which is visible and that which is invisible. As we might say, the seen and the unseen. So number one, what Paul says is that he did not look at the invisible, or rather at the visible. Drop down and note if you would in verse 18. He said, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Well, Paul, why then would you have this kind of attitude that would say, I'm not looking at life through what we would say 
to be visible lens? Well, number one, because when we talk about life and as we contemplate the visible, to understand that the visible, the visible things of this life, number one, can be tempting. Do you remember what James said in James chapter 1? Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempts he any man, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust. And lust, when it has conceived, brings forth sin. Sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. The devil has the ability to make the visible things of this life so attractive and so appealing. He uses those things to allure, to entice, to entrap us, doesn't he? I think about the words of John in 1 John chapter 2. When John said, love not the world, neither the things which are in the world. He said, if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life are not of the Father. But he said, they are of the world. And what about the world? He said, the world's passing away. There have been a lot of folks in our society that have literally hooked their wagon to the world. And sometimes those of us who belong to the body of Christ, if we're not careful, we get so close to the world that before you know it, we have hooked our wagon to the world. And to understand that what the devil wants you to do is to buy what he's offering. You remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul lays out a very strong case for the resurrected Christ. It really points out that without the, res without the resurrection of Christ, we have no hope, do we? I mean, if the resurrection has not transpired, that is the resurrection of Jesus, then our preaching is vain, our faith is vain. He said we're still in sin. And yet Paul stressed the fact that not only did Jesus rise from the dead, but one day we will rise from the dead. So in verse 32, Paul makes this statement. If the dead do not rise, let us eat and drink. Why, Paul? For tomorrow we die. Is that, is that not how a lot of folks are living today? Are there not a lot, a lot of people in the world today, they have bought what the devil is selling, they're drinking his Kool-Aid? There are a lot of people in our world today, their idea is, I better get it while I can. Why? Because you only go around once in life. Look, there's nothing wrong with enjoying life and the blessings of life. Remember Peter said, He that would love life and see good days. Do you love life? Have you enjoyed some good days in life? The answer for most of us would be yes. But understand that we've got to be able to make a distinction between that which is visible and that which is invisible. So number one, the visible things of life can be very tempting. But Paul said there's a second thought here. The visible things of life are temporary. He said we don't look at the things which are seen, but rather at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporary. The things which are not seen are eternal. So how do you look at life? Do you realize that what this world has to offer at best is fleeting, that it's temporal, transitory. You know, you look at, look at life. 
Isn't it amazing how quickly life passes and how things change over time, don't they? One of the things that is subjected to time that is transitory is our pilgrimage here on earth. Paul talks a lot about the fact that the outward man is perishing. But he said the inward man is being renewed day by day. I want you to think about something for a minute. When you listen to what Paul is saying here, and Paul is saying, I have resolve in my life. My resolve is that I'm going to be what God wants me to be. I'm going to give him my best every single day. Paul was resolved to overcome the difficulties and trials of life. He said, for which cause we faint not. Though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So what about this renewal in Christ? His resolve in Christ, yes, check that off the chart. But then his renewal. What was it that kept the Apostle Paul grounded? Mind. And if we're not careful, we can allow the fleeting things of this life to undermine our faith in God. I said a minute ago that life is changing, we're changing. We were talking just a moment ago before services started today. And I said, you know, I feel young in my mind. And in my mind, I feel like I look young. But when I step in front of the mirror, guess what? I realize, you know, you're not what you think you are. Well, that's life, isn't it? That, that's what happens as we grow older in life. And so, even though the outward man, even though this physical body is not as strong, doesn't have the stamina, is not as daring, even though some of the things that once we could do well, we are limited in doing now, what Paul said is, it might be the case that my outward man is wearing out and running down. He said, but inside, my inward man, he said, it is as strong as it has ever been. How's that happen? How is it that the outward man can grow older? We come to appreciate better our mortality, but that inward spirit, that inward man, stronger? Do you remember what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, as a newborn baby? He said, desire the sincere milk of the word. Why, Peter? That you might grow thereby. In 2 Peter chapter 3 at verse 18, Peter said, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul would say, Exercise yourself unto godliness. I believe in exercise. I hope you do too. And I think it helps you mentally and physically. But we've got to exercise our spiritual life. If you want to be strong in the Lord and you want to be what you ought to be, you've got to spend time in God's Word every day. And you've also got to spend time praying to God on a regular basis. 
And then surround yourself with people of like faith who are strong, who can build you up and help you to grow as a Christian, to help you to stay true to Almighty God. So those are some things that will help to build and strengthen the inward man. Paul had a tremendous attitude. But now I want you to think with me for a moment or two about his assurance in life. Could I ask you this morning, how confident are you as a Christian? Do you have, as we sing from time to time, blessed assurance? Do you have that kind of assurance in the Lord? Are you trusting Him day in and day out? Now, you know, in chapter 5, and if we were to make the transition into chapter 5, Paul's going to talk about some things that will help us to develop what I would call a rock-solid faith. In other words, the kind of faith that will keep us grounded, the kind of faith that will enable us to plot our way through life so that one day we can meet the Lord on the other side. So what about 2 Corinthians chapter 5? And the fact that Paul now discusses the body that will give way to death and that future glorified body. Listen to how Paul begins this chapter. For we know that if our earthly house, this tabernacle or tent, the patriarchs in days gone by, you remember how they traveled about somewhat as nomads? And they would travel about in tents. Tents are not permanent dwellings, are they? And what Paul is saying here is, this physical body that you possess that God has created, this physical body is not meant to be here forever. It wasn't built that way. This body is going to wear out. It is subjected to time. But there is coming a day when you will lay aside, as will I, you will lay aside this physical body, and then you'll be clothed upon with a new body. As Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, our citizenship is in heaven, whence also we wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will change our vile body like unto His glorious body. So there's a, there is coming a day when a change will occur. Well, when will that be? The resurrection. So what about Paul and his confidence in Christ? His faith in the Lord. I want you to look at verse 7 for a minute. Paul said, and here's the problem that we face sometimes. Paul said, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Are you walking by faith or are you walking by sight? Now Paul said, look, we're not looking at the things which are seen. Why? Because that would be walking by sight, wouldn't it? But rather, we're looking at the things which are not seen. So what about this faith? Listen, faith is what gives substance and reality to an unseen world. One of the things that I want to do in the next couple of weeks is talk about some of the promises of God. How can I trust in the promises of Almighty God? I've got to have 
a deep and abiding faith, don't I? I have to be the kind of person who develops what we might say to be a great faith. A faith that is guided by Scripture. Now Paul said, we walk by faith, not by sight. Well, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The Hebrew writer said that faith is the substance of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen is yet. All right, Paul, how do I know that when time ceases and the Lord raises the dead, that I'm going to receive a glorified body? How am I going to know that? How do I know that? By revelation. Paul said, for we know that if this earthly house, this tabernacle, be dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands. He said, eternal in the heavens. Down in about verse 5, Paul said that God has prepared us for this very thing, that we have received the Spirit as an earnest or guarantee. One of the things that some were doing in the first century, they questioned the apostleship of the apostle Paul. Paul had received revelation from whom? From God, hadn't he? Paul not only received revelation, but he could provide confirmation, couldn't he? So how then did he know anything about the unseen world? How did he know anything about heaven and the hope of heaven and the body that we'll have in heaven? I can tell you how. Because God revealed it to him, didn't he? Didn't he say over in Ephesians chapter 3 that he had received revelation from God? He took that revelation, wrote it down in a few words. He said, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And he's saying, look, this world as we know it, it's passing away. It's going to give way to things that are eternal in nature. You better be focusing on the invisible things of life and not just the visible. But when this world gives way to eternity, you can have confidence and assurance that this body that is placed in the grave. And though that body might one day return to the dust, as Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7 tells us, you can be assured that God will raise that body and you will receive a glorified body. That's what he's saying here. That we can have that kind of confidence, faith in God. As you grow older in life, one of the things that becomes... Crystal clear, I guess I should say, is you realize you're not going to be here forever. And you understand when you reach a certain point in life that you're on the short side of life, aren't you? You don't have a lot of years to look forward to on earth. So you start thinking about the importance of faith. I want the kind of faith that is grounded. I want the kind of faith that trusts Almighty God come what may. Do you have that kind of faith? Do you have the kind of faith that says, I trust God no matter what? Look, if you don't have faith, you are in for a miserable life. I can promise you that. There are a lot of people, they have bought into what the world's offering. They don't understand what the Bible has to say about the importance of life, the abundant life that we have in Christ Jesus. 
But to understand when our lives are rooted in faith, when we are, as Paul said, rooted and grounded in faith, listen, we're ready for anything. Bring it on. We can handle it, can't we? Because we belong to Almighty God. Now, Paul talks about his faith in the Lord, but then what about his future with the Lord? Paul makes a statement that I believe to be is incredibly interesting. Note, if you would, what he says. Just read with me what he says down in verse. Well, note, if you would, first of all, Paul begins by talking about his aim in life. He said, we walk by faith, not by sight, verse 7. We're confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Therefore, in light of the facts that he has just set forth, in his proposition, he said, Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to do what? To be pleasing to Him. Is your life pleasing to God? Is that the aim of your life? There are two things that stand out in my mind about the Apostle Paul in this context. Number one, Paul was interested in spiritual things. There are a lot of people, sadly, in the world today. Quite frankly, they're not interested in eternity. They're not interested in spiritual things. They're more interested in the here and now, what the world has to offer and the glitter and the gold and all the things that come with that. And I see how it can be captivating and alluring. But to understand something about the nature of life, the temporal, transitory nature of life. And so to be interested in spiritual things when you get up in the morning and the first thing you do is pray to God and open His Word and read a few verses, does that not say something about your interest in spiritual things? Before you go to bed at night, when you read the Word of God, when you pray to God, is that not some indicator that you're interested in spiritual things? The answer would be yes. Was Paul interested in in spiritual things, I think he was. How do I know that? Because in Philippians chapter 1, Paul said, For to me to live is Christ. Paul's life was rooted and grounded in Christ. He was interested in the Lord. Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So when God is at the apex of life, when we genuinely feel a connection with God, when we love Him with all of our heart, soul, and mind, then that says we are interested in spiritual things. But listen, there's a second thought here. Not only was Paul interested in spiritual things, but he invested in spiritual things. That's where the problem comes in sometimes. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no man can serve two masters. You can't straddle the fence and live the Christian life. A lot of folks try to do it. You know, one leg in, one leg out, one foot in, one foot out, can't do it. Won't work that way. If you're interested in spiritual things, then please listen, you will invest in spiritual things. 
You're going to give God your time. Time is a precious commodity, isn't it? Wish I had more of it. Only 24 hours in a day. We've got to decide how we're going to use the time that we have. One of the things that I pray about is that I will be a good steward of the time that God's blessed me with. I want to do as much as I can, as long as I can, wherever I can, as long as I'm alive. Is that you? Are you investing in spirit? Listen, if you have invested in spiritual things, I mean, if there is a genuine interest, it's not about what the world has to offer. It, it's not, do I have to serve the Lord? Do I have to be a part of the work of the church? Do I have to worship? Do I have to study the Bible? Do I have to read and pray every day? Those questions don't even enter into the equation. Why? Because you have bought in. You're all in. Paul was all in. So you think about the life of the Apostle Paul. Here's a guy that made it his aim to please the Lord. And then what about his assurance? Paul two times in this chapter talks about his confidence in the Lord. Where did that confidence come from? What was it we said a minute ago? Revelation? Revelation and confirmation? He had received revelation from God and he was absolutely sure about the one in whom he believed. He was sure about what lay before him. Listen to him, 2 Timothy chapter 1. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Do you have that kind of confidence, that kind of assurance? Now look again at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Note what Paul said beginning in verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Now drop down, look at verse, look at verse 8. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. What are you saying, Paul? Paul said, we are pleased. I'm pleased. I would be pleased. If I could literally stand in the presence of Almighty God, when does that occur? When we leave this world, doesn't it? So you look at the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul's life was grounded in hope. Not hope so, think so, maybe so, what if. No, his hope was grounded in the truth of Almighty God, the revelation. That's why one of the reasons it's so important to read and study this Bible is because it will grow your faith. You don't know what lies ahead. You have no idea what kind of sickness, illness, disease you might be facing. You don't know if you might lose a spouse, a child, a grandchild, a sibling. You don't know what's coming your way. You might lose your job. You might lose economically everything that you have. You don't know what's going to happen in the future. Solomon said, who knows what a day brings forth, but I know this. If you don't have a strong faith in Almighty God, and if you're not convinced that what the Bible teaches is true about spiritual things and about life in God, you won't make it when tough times come. What we want to do is equip ourselves so that when tough times come, that we can sail through that storm, don't we? So look at Paul. Paul's saying, 
I know life's going to end, but I'm not worried. I'm not concerned. Matter of fact, I'm confident. I'd just as soon be absent from the body so that I might be present with the Lord. That's what he said in Philippians chapter 1. To live is Christ, to die, he said, is what? It's gain, isn't it? To depart and be with Christ, far better. Listen to him again in 2 Timothy chapter 4. When Paul said, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. When you come to the end of life here on planet earth, my prayer for you is that you are so strong in your faith that there is assurance and confidence. It's not what if. No, it's when. When I leave this world, I know the Lord is by my side. What was it David said, Psalm 23? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why, Lord? Because you're with me. The Lord will be with me, and then I will be with Him. Why do we live the Christian life? We live for Christ so that one day we can live with Christ. I think that was Paul's view. So today I close by asking you this question. Are you walking by faith in the Lord? If you're here today and you're not a Christian, understand that faith is absolutely essential to living for God. And that faith comes as a result of studying this book. Once you develop faith in Almighty God and understand what God wants of you, to be submissive to His will, to repent of your sins, as they did on Pentecost Day. Then to confess His name before others and to be buried with Him in a watery grape of baptism. Why? So that you might enjoy salvation, Mark 16, 16. So that your sins might be remitted, Acts 2, verse 38. So that your sins might be washed away, Acts 22, 16. And then God's going to put you in the church. You've got to be in the church if you want to go to heaven because He is the Savior of the body, Ephesians 5, 23. And then be faithful. Live as Paul did. Live a triumphant, victorious life that will ultimately end in joy. Wasn't it Jesus who said that on that great and final day, He'll say to those on the right side, Come, blessed my Father, inherit the joy prepared for you from the foundation of the world? That can be you. That can be you in the presence of God, hearing the Lord say to you, Come. If you're here today and you're not what you ought to be as a child of God, we'd love to pray with you and for you. God will abundantly pardon. Please come as we stand and sing.